0: my cutter peter cut out all the pattern pieces from that and then we had a stitcher go in and stitch every single stripe jeez yeah
1: (laughs) that's a lot of work my
0: producer called me and was like is this really necessary i'm (laughs) sure it took 55 hours and i was like yes (laughs) um
1: to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I am your host, Spencer Williams. Hey, costume nerds. Thank you so much for joining me. So excited to talk about today's special film. Of course, it is Scream 6. And you know how much I love the Scream movies. I've been watching them forever. They're probably my favorite horror movies. They're just perfect. I'm a Gail Weathers fanboy for life. That lime green suit in the 90s changed my life for the better. Maybe I didn't know it back then, but it definitely changed my life. Let's start off with a summary. Four survivors of the Ghostface murders leave Woodsboro behind for a fresh start in New York City. However, they soon find themselves in the fight for their lives when a new killer embarks on a bloody rampage. And that is Scream 6. As always, let's dive behind the wardrobe. We have directors Tyler Gillett and Matt Bettinelli. And then I would love to introduce my friend, costume designer, Avery Pluess. You would know her for her work on Ready or Not, The Craft Legacy, and 8-Bit Christmas. So now I have some good news and I have some bad news. (laughs) The good news is Avery is going to be joining me right after the break to talk all about Scream 6. And I love this movie. There's so much to get into. First, I love any movie that takes place during Halloween. Just so many fun costumes. And then, of course, I love diving behind the history of Ghostface, The Mask, all the archival costumes that we're going to get into. That's right. Avery had to recreate all of the costumes he's seen in this film. And then of course, we have to talk about Gail Weller. So we're going to get into that. Bad news. <laughs> Daniel's gonna murder me <laughs> Sorry, Daniel uh, The bad news is this interview was pre-recorded just not too long ago A few hours ago And we have some technology issues It's not Avery's fault, it was my fault Because I'm dumb and I had some of the wrong buttons pressed So I am currently on Daniel's hit list <laughs> Sorry, Daniel Uh, So, you will hear a little bit of echo in the interview coming from my side. All I ask is that you forgive me. I guess, uh, you know, it happens. I'm sorry, okay? But it's Scream 6, so you're going to fall in love with Avery's explanation of the costumes, the process. You won't even realize that your host of now almost, what, two years now? Still can't figure out how to use technology sometimes. I'm sorry, With that being said, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined by costume designer, Avery Pluis. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. i am so excited to introduce my friend avery Pluis. hey avery
0: hi how are you
1: good i'm so excited to talk to you i've been wanting to talk about this film since i saw it it's amazing i didn't think i could love a scream movie more so i've just been dying to talk to you
0: yeah no i'm excited to like actually talk to you finally
1: let's start with this what is your favorite scary movie
0: the shining i think the shining yeah i it's funny i didn't like horror until i started working in film i (laughs) get startled really easily like Uh doing scream in montreal i made the mistake of telling my crew that very early on and the amount of jump scares i i personally (laughs) did with my crew dressed up in ghosts because we had like millions of them because of the subway sequence right so people would just jump out of nowhere at me in a full ghost face costume all the time but i literally jump yeah i will jump like four feet in the air so i like i remember seeing the screen previews as a kid and just like running upstairs to my room because i was so (laughs) i think it's like kind of ironic that i've designed one now (laughs) even in my house like my husband will walk around a corner I'll be like oh my god and he's like I live here but yeah
1: well let's dive into Scream so obviously Scream is such a huge well-loved franchise take me back to the moment where you realized you were going to be designing the costumes for this next installment imagine it must have been very exciting but also very scary as we just talked about
0: yeah I was actually in Los Angeles my husband was working down there and I was taking time off after a long project I had done and Radio Silence called me. I did Ready or Not with them. And mm-hmm. they were like, we're going to Montreal. Like, would you consider doing Scream? And I was like, yeah, like 100. Like, I just love those guys so much. I would do anything for them. And so I was like, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it actually wasn't. I, when I got to Montreal and I realized, like, it's a huge franchise movie at like, definitely hit me but i think it actually wasn't until the ghost face fitting that i was like holy shit this (laughs) this is a a big deal Uh, and just like seeing the costume and the all of it come together that was like probably the the moment and also the when they told me they wanted to do um the new mask that was also like okay here we
1: yeah well let's just dive right into it then i guess yeah (laughs) Uh, so this film had a lot of qualities to it that were unique compared to the others it took place in new york city you know one of the few times we see them outside of woodsboro it takes place during halloween it's during the fall so there's a lot for you have to think about and also there's a little bit of a legacy to it so how did you prepare for this project
0: um i well first i watched because of the museum sequence i watched all of the films and went through everything with a very fine tooth comb of just like also looking at the consistencies throughout all of the films the sort of stylistic elements and I I also really looked at the his like New York history um particularly for Mindy's character um and just like yeah I think I watching all the movies and that's where I started because I felt like I had to Like I've seen them all before, but I felt like I needed to really study them and watch them multiple times. And I think also there's not a lot of images of certain things online. I have to say the fan base is incredible in terms of like my ability to research things, like the details that they all know about certain costumes. But I would like Stu's robe that we recreated in the museum scene was just like screenshot by screenshot. I have pictures of my assistant sitting because there's certain I think there's certain I don't know which one, but there's a couple that you can't get screenshots of online. And so she literally would sit with like a giant black piece of fabric over her head, over a computer (laughs) screen and take pictures with her cell phone. So, yeah, we started with, you know, the franchise and kind of went from there
1: right just to understand the base of it and you know it's i've heard this many times before but the scream fan base too is very uh dedicated and detailed in their work of preserving yeah. all these details I actually
0: like i can't, i don't know if there's any other franchise that has a fan base that cares to this degree like i can't get right. one like they're <laughs> they're they've been so kind and so supportive but they like nothing gets by them so i was
1: right i
0: like you know, my team, a lot of the time would be like, oh, like, I think we can get by with this. And I would be like, if this costume ends up on some display in some city and a screen pan goes up to it and notices there is a seam here that is not like, because we had to recreate the robes. And there's a, a lot of times in film, you know, you, you can make like for specific reasons, you sort of make adjustments to things. So they function better or, you know, you don't have enough fabric so you can kind of tweak things in one way and i like that was just like not an option
1: (laughs) (laughs) not on this project (laughs) so let's get into some of our favorite scenes and characters i always love the opening scene like most people this features samara weaving who you know very well who you dressed and ready or not Um, She plays Laura Crane. I loved her look because it still felt very New York, but also you could tell that definitely you did your research and you understood the legacy of Scream because to me this felt very Tatum, Rose McGowan's character from the original Scream. So how did this scene come together?
0: Because I've worked with Brett before, the cinematographer, I knew, well, I didn't know how he was going to shoot it, but I had a sense of his sort of sensibility and how he would how he would light it. And it, it, to me, also in the script, read a bit noir. And I wanted her to very much be in silhouette and then also really pop. And so I, and Scream is all about being self-referential, right? So I was like, is there a world in which we have a color that makes her pop? And that color I use a lot throughout the entire movie. I call it Tatum Line. <laughs> uh, like Courtney Cox's shoes are kind of right color. Um, and so... I was like, well, it this this dress to me that I found um, was perfect because it was like Tatum Lime. It was also the same bodice silhouette as what Sam wore in Ready or Not. It really popped on camera for how Brett was going to light the scene. Like I knew the lens choice and all, all that business. And then it also just, it felt very much like an opening look. And then she had... She has silver shoes, which are, like, also kind of, like, a nod to the chrome ghost face. That was kind of how it came. And then she's wearing, like, I don't know if anyone would notice this, but she's wearing little, like, pearl drop earrings. And in Ready or Not, she wears pearl earrings. So it was just, like, a little...
1: What also is super cool, I love the sister duo of Sam and Tara. They are both badasses. And when it comes to their looks, they felt very within their personalities, but also to me... Very functional in case, I don't know, maybe they get stabbed or murdered. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so talk about their looks. I really love the jackets.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it was really important to me. I, like, in a way, I almost approached Scream like you would taking over the the second or third season of a TV show. In that, like, mm. you already have these characters and these legacy characters that are established, And so it's like, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel of what Emily Gunshore had done last time and their established characters. So I want, you know, Sam's very utilitarian, Linda Hamilton kind of vibe. Um, And so everything we sourced for her sort of had that undertone. And then Tara wore a lot of baby pink in the last one. And so I wanted to sort of carry that through. And Jenna really liked the baby pink and thought it felt very Tara. And, you know, something that I really consider a lot as a responsibility for myself as a costume designer is like how we portray women in certain roles. And Tara is this very, very strong character. And I find often you go to this very hardened look for someone who's a strong character. And I love the softness of Tara of how she dresses. And it's like, it, it conveys the sort of complexity of of women that you can be soft and tough. Like it's not, I find often, when you read certain scripts, it's like she was strong and she looked like, so I, I I really liked how with Tara, she still felt kind of soft and vulnerable, but she's hard at the same time. So that was sort of what I wanted to carry through for Tara. And then Sam, the bomber, I actually had, I have one that I got you know, at the end of a random show that we never used. And it was, it's all like disformed and kind of messed up. It's an alpha bar. And it it does this like curve in the back. That's like really great. And so I brought it in and we, one of the challenges of this was shooting for October and August in Montreal. And it gets really hot and muggy. So it's an alpha jacket that um, Sam wears, but we took all the lining out because they're so like, they're warm. And then we recut it to kind of have a more interesting sort of backside, in the same way that the bomber, the deformed bomber that I have, has. so that's sort of how that came to be.
1: Right. It. I love the looks. Um, they look like such badasses, and I agree with Tara too. It's like it's very soft, but the way that's put together, the silhouette, you can still tell that she's ready to rock and. And obviously, it works out for her. We're allowed to talk about spoilers here, but she gets the job done. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: yeah, she doesn't have to
1: hold back. Um, Chad and Mindy. How can you not love Chad and Mindy? Mindy is actually probably my favorite character, played by Jasmine Savoy Brown. I think she's brilliant. And you can learn so much about her character through her costumes. I love the Strong Family shirt and a Lavender Menace shirt. And that jacket with all the patches and buttons on it, I mean, I could tell that you must have had a collaboration with Jasmine on these looks.
0: Yeah, well, it was funny. You know, you always ask the whoever you're working with, if you've worked with someone before, what the cast are like, like what, what do they like, what do they not like? And they're like, you know, Jasmine really has a clear vision of how she wants her, like how she likes Mindy to present. And there's a political aspect to Mindy's character that you saw in the last one. And so... I just like really leaned into that. And so I talked to Jasmine pretty early on and then I just like kind of ran with that sort of direction. Um, the strong fem lead tea I looked at, I designed the graphic for that. I designed um, most of the graphics on the clothes in this, which is like not usually normal, but.
1: Wow. That's pretty cool actually.
0: Yeah, I, I just wanted it, I wanted full control. <laughs> um glad is not that um michelle the production designer her team did the Blackmore university because obviously it carries through on other stuff but strong family i looked at um queer like uh cinema classic cinema with like queer undertones um and their film titles and then kind of looked at those fonts and kind of cobbled them together um and i had seen like, when i started researching her character i had seen sort of these kind of really like cheesy feminist tease, like strong female lead. And I was like, Mindy would hate this, but maybe have her own like corrected version of like, it should be femme. That's where the inspiration for that.
1: That makes sense. It makes sense. I see it.
0: Yeah. And then Lavender Menace was in my research for Mindy. I started looking also at sort of the queer history of New York for her character, because, you know, in a lot of ways, New York city is a safe space for people from all over the world and all over the country, um, to be who they are. It's not safe everywhere, but you know, it's, there's a community there that is unlike anywhere else. And so I started looking at the history of New York and, um, there was a, a sit in, in the seventies where, um, a, a large group of lesbian women who felt like they weren't being included in the feminist movement. I forget the location of the sit-in, but they made all of these t-shirts that said lavender menace on them. And they hand-dyed them and they hand-stenciled them. So we did that exact thing, not on the same style of t-shirt, because I wanted the texture of um like a waffle knit for hers. Kind of, but we hand-dyed them and we hand-stenciled them, the exact same sort of technique. So yeah, and then all of her patches. Some of them are from like eye stock that we like adjusted, but a lot of them I kind of came up with.
1: It's so cool. I I love that look. I feel like we're going to see a lot of iterations of this look. I think the fans are really going to fall in love with all of Mindy's looks, actually.
0: I hope so. I had fun with Mindy.
1: Yeah. Well, let's change things up a little bit and talk about our favorite uh, ghost face. Now, I know from prior research that creating the ghost face robe and mask is not as simple as just Pulling in an Alva bag or wardrobe that Scream hooked you up with, it's quite complicated. How did you make these New York ghost faces come to be? And we're not yet talking about the museum yet. Just like our actual killer ghost faces.
0: We started with the robe, which um, the guys really loved what Emily did on the last one. And so they're like, we don't really want to change it too much. And we had the pattern. So, um, she had done something really great with like how sort of large. I mean, you can see in one of the images that you have up here when he like pulls the knife in Gail's apartment. Oh, so cool. um, how domineering it is. And that was their whole thing that they wanted Ghostface to feel as sort of intimidating and um scary as possible. And that meaning taking up a lot of space. But I adjusted the hood a bit to make it a little bit bigger and fuller in the back. We kept the foam in the front, like we really tried to keep the integrity of Ghost Three Ghost Face throughout. And then I changed the hem; it's a it's a lot more sort of jagged and kind of inconsistent. And then the I call them the wings, <laughs> the technical <laughs> Ghost Face or fringe, I guess. There's six total because the movie six, and then. I found when we were sourcing fabric for Ghostface, um, Gregoire, my one of my buyers, he found this like sheer fabric that had like a little bit of a sparkle on it, and it it's like a it's kind of a knit, and it just really made me think of like bad Halloween costumes, but in a really good way. <laughs> and so yeah. we te- we camera tested it, and the guys really liked how when layered with the the hero fabric it it again took up more space and made it it ghostface is supposed to sort of feel as anonymous as possible right so the more space it takes up the less easy it is to figure out who they are underneath right so yeah so that was sort of the, the rogue process
1: we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember, hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I love that. And also because Ghostface is essentially a ghost, right? So like the bigger it is, more... You know, I like the word wings, actually, because I tie that in with Ghost. But like the bigger that is, it does kind of give like a little bit of a floating aesthetic to to it, which I think is yeah. really interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the the boots are Doc Martens, which Emily had used on the last one. And so I picked a slightly different I picked a new pair because they haven't if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, They there's never been the same type of boots, maybe in two. I have hmm. it written down somewhere. So, <laughs> if anyone is listening to this, don't come after me. But I, <laughs> anyways, I wanted to change them because most films have had different boots. Um, but we stayed with Docs, and they were really generous, and they sent me what I wanted.
1: I love the, like, routine aspect to Scream, too, where we change things, but don't get crazy with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When I saw the museum with all the legacy costumes and props, I wanted to stand up and start applauding. But I was in like, a professional screening, so I was trying to keep it together. Yeah. Um, Then I come to find out that a lot of the pieces I'm looking at inside this room actually had to be recreated by you and your team, which I just... It's still, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. I mean, we're talking about the Ghostface robes, Stu's robe, Tatum's look, Steve's Letterman jacket, Nancy Loomis's suit, the Billy Loomis shirt with blood, which I'm sure never matches up the right way. <laughs> so how how did this happen?
0: Um, yeah, that was, <laughs>
1: that
0: was scary. <laughs> um, I had an assistant named Miriam who... Her whole job was the museum clothes, and she worked really wow. closely with Michelle and Michelle's team. Um, but she, yeah, this was another area where I was like, We can't get this wrong.
1: Mm-mm. This is scary. Yeah.
0: This, is, yeah, Stu's robe. I was, I was insufferable about it, like, I was just annoying myself about it. Uh, um, <laughs> what we ended up doing was. Okay, first of all, I took a million screenshots and started tracing on my computer and my iPad, like, from what I could tell what the pattern was. And then I have pictures somewhere, but I ended up, I realized it was like a, the pattern was like three spirals that go in different directions. And then it's like woven together in a weird way, the pattern, but I figured it out. I know like the legit pattern and I have a picture of it somewhere. And it's a brocade, but I was like, there's no way we can get a brocade woven in the amount of time we have. And I make quilts when I'm not.
1: Oh, how lovely. I was
0: like, I feel like if we take a like satin, a poly satin to someone who quilts with like not the usual batting on the inside, but like layer it up, it will read as brocade on camera. And so we found someone who had many iterations of like spiral patterns. And so we had him tested on the fabric, all these different ways. And it was very, very close. The only part that was off is there's these little sort of lines that connect like, or I guess, stripes, like three stripes that go in different directions. And so what we had him do is quilt it all in that pattern. And then my cutter, Peter, Cut out all the pattern pieces from that. And then we had a stitcher go in and stitch every single stripe. Jeez. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a lot and of my work. My
0: producer called me and was like, Is this really necessary? I'm curious. Is it took 55 hours to sew each stripe? And I was like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it is very necessary.
1: Your name is on the IMDb. Yeah. People are going to find also, you. So.
0: Sue's robe. Which also by the from what I understand, it was a random grip owned it. It wasn't even a planned piece. So it's like not like anyone has the like I think it's vintage is really what I think it is. Um so yeah, so that was a whole thing. And then Miriam was really great in her research and she found through a lot of like history of auction online what the original items were, like Emma Roberts outfit. It's all the exact items we found Mm. on Poshmark and Etsy. Like the the plaid shirt was actually a children's Abercrombie shirt. And she found that. And then Tatum's shirt, that was another thing where, I don't know, they must have had like 20 options. And I was just like, nope, not good enough. (laughs) <laughs> what what we ended up with is
1: Devil Wars Prada Scream edition. <laughs>
0: I know. Um, I was about it, but I was like, I'm like the,
1: You had to. The, you had the, to
0: it had to be like bang on. And what we did was we found a sweater at a rental house and we convinced them to let us buy it because it was the same texture, um, but it was beige. It was a beige men's sweater. We dyed it and then recut it to Tatum's shape. And then some the, the skirt, someone does reproduction Tatum skirts that we bought online.
1: And is this all because you don't have access to original costumes? Like they're not, for someone uh, wondering, like someone you can't like, find some, them.
0: No, you can't. And someone's like auctioned them all off or something.
1: So there's someone at home right now probably wearing yeah, <laughs> this letterman like, jacket no, and they're like, well.
0: They're like, sorry, Avery. um yeah so that was that was a whole thing um and yeah Miriam was like incredible about it all I have a video somewhere in my office what I did was I set up a fake museum and I had the directors come in and look at everything and be like add more blood make it look crimey or make it look lighter you know um yeah
1: that is so cool I mean I'm still blown away looking at it I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge costume breakdown fan. I'm just obsessed oh. with how costumes are destroyed. Yeah. How they get bloodied up. Yeah. The consistency of it. How, I'm sure this, you have a little bit of experience in this, you know, with your previous work. But Scream must have been like a whole different level.
0: Yeah, it was. It was I have, or I had, Val, who is our like, Ager Dyer, was just incredible. I mean, she did the mask. But she was, she just does, like, incredible, beautiful work. And then Sabrine, who is my set key, um, who did all of the blood work on set, like, even, like, I, I, of course, saw the dailies. But when I watched the movie for the first time at the premiere, I was like, wow, Sabrine. (laughs) I was there for it all. And I, like, thought it looked good. But I was, like, very, very happy. Yeah,
1: Sabrine did the thing.
0: She did, Yeah. (laughs)
1: it's so cool especially uh, the scene where uh mindy and all of our heroes get attacked and we yeah. lose one of my favorite characters um in that latter scene i was just like wow so much blood so much breakdown oh I know, this is a dream that
0: was a gross one but like looked great
1: <laughs> exactly uh hayden Panettiere is back let's talk about our legacy characters yeah. kirby i mean i love kirby i will say She had me on the edge for the majority of this film because I wasn't sure which way she was going to go by the end. But at the end of the day, um, I loved her badass agent of revenge costume. It's stylish, practical, also kind of edgy, a little goth is to me is giving me a little bit like Resident Evil vibes. And I think that's amazing. (laughs) So what was your inspiration behind Kirby's look?
0: We wanted her to feel like we could think she might be ghost face. So she has black boots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you did that. <laughs>
0: and uh, so everything was essentially all black or dark. And Hayden, I felt like for Hayden and, and um, for Courtney Cox, like they kind of know their characters better than anyone. Uh, and so I really leaned into sort of how they felt and what they would lean into and, Hayden really wanted to wear a Perfecto leather jacket for Kirby because, you know, she was like, Kirby's edgy and this and that. And so I found several versions of that kind of jacket and we tried a bunch on and um, we added shoulder pads to this to kind of, again, give her more presence.
1: Which I imagine she was super stoked to be back and just kind of recreate this character with you.
0: Well, and she, um, her and Tara both have... Wes Craven's birthstone on them oh, so, wow. Tara's like necklace that she wears she wears it with the blue like long sleeve kind of polo top um, she's wearing a necklace that has peridot on it which is his stone and then Hayden is wearing earrings that have peridot in them as well so and she loved that because she just like she was telling me such great stories about Wes and just like working with him and it was really cool to hear you know
1: Right. That's such a cool detail. I'm obsessed with this. But one thing I'm obsessed with above all is the legacy of Gail Weathers' pantsuits. It is one of my favorite costume topics of conversation ever and always will be. Um, So Courtney Cox, one of my favorite topics. In this film, we see Gail in a blue pantsuit with, as you mentioned, the Tatum lime green shoes. What is your idea behind this specific color? Why why the blue pantsuit?
0: Um, well, so Christopher John Rogers made it custom for us. And um, they sent us a ton of swatches. And I looked at them with Courtney. And she was like, I've never worn this blue before. in a pants, she was like, I feel like I've worn every other color. Let's do this. So that's, it's very simple. It wasn't as, there's no. Not as much of an interesting story behind it as right. it's
1: I It's like, like running out of colors. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, also, she has like the most insanely beautiful eyes that just like popped with this color. Um, yeah. Also, this color is everywhere this season. So I was like, this is great. Gail's so with it. I mean, she always is. Yeah. But, um, it's very much a popular color this season. But yeah, that's sort of how it came to be.
1: I mean, it's true. The first moment you see her, she does really pop. And just like the, it's like such a different type of chills you get when you see Gail Wailers on the screen for the first time. It's very exciting. And am I wrong? Does she wear the purple pantsuit or is it just the lighting? That is a, is that a different pantsuit?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, when she goes to the museum, it's a, okay, right? It, she's actually, <laughs> she's actually wearing jeans. Um, Cause our sort of thing, our idea was when she shows up to um, the apartment after a certain character dies and Tara and Sam are like, really again, we wanted it to be like, oh, she looks like she's reporting. And then the lower <laughs> half, she's actually off duty. That was sort of the idea behind it. So she's wearing jeans um, and she's, yeah, she's wearing like flare jeans, which I like loved for Gale Weathers. Um <laughs> And then the top, the jacket is Victoria Beckham and the uh, kind of shell underneath is Dolce & Gabbana. And then she has this like bright orange bra on underneath.
1: That's brilliant. It's like business on top, party on bottom type of situation.
0: As I call it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then one thing that I was just blowing my mind because I knew this must have been such a process yeah. Whenever it's Halloween in a film, I usually get excited. And in this particular film, it's like everyone in New York City is just obsessed with horror icons and slashers and the most wildest scary costumes. I mean, we're seeing characters from Us, Midsummer, which I love, Ready or Not, uh, Michael Myers, Pennywise. How? Just how? How did this happen?
0: Well, it was scripted. And so... There were two, there's two different subway trains. And so one is more like horror icons. And then one is more ghost face centric. Mindy's is more ghost face centric. And poor Mindy. I know. Poor Mindy. <laughs> so we called it Sam's car, Mindy's car. And then I, I think they go it's between two and four stops. And so I planned it Basically, okay, I'm dial it backwards. So start from the beginning. We, <laughs> in the script, there were certain horror characters. So I was like, okay, I know I need XYZ. And then there was, you know, we have Ghostface. So I need this many Ghostface characters. And then it was, you know, Radio Silence really wanted to honor Wes. That's like their whole thing in general. And so, and I felt the same way. It's like we're doing horror icons. We obviously have to include Wes's legacy. And so it was, of course, okay, what. Characters from what movies do we want? So we did our West list, and then it was just like, What's your favorite horror films? Like, what what ones do you want to honor? Which, and also, like, you know, um, Kirby and Mindy talk about their favorite horror films. You know, there's Shaun of the Dead on Mindy's subway because they were talking about it, but Kirby watches Shaun of the Dead in four, so that's like,
1: Oh my gosh, I didn't even see that one. I have to go back and how did I miss the Shaun of the Dead?
0: So that's why he's on Mindy's train. Um, But what I tried to do is with, and I don't think you even clock in this sequence that there are subway stops. And there were a couple of times where the ADs were like, you are taking this, like you're being too detail oriented with like the amount of people getting on and off. But I just felt like for the suspense of what Matt and Tyler wanted to convey, we needed to add more and more scary characters as the sequence went on. So I had spreadsheets upon spreadsheets, which I also had on Ready or Not. It's like a thing I do. It's how I like kind of control my bright brain in yeah. spreadsheets. Um, and then we made the spreadsheets into like Bristol boards, where we had like every single fitting photo of all of the extras we had done um, kind of figured out as to where they would get on, when they would get off. You know, we would like, you actually see people who are on the subway on the exterior of the subway scene, which like, you know, that took coordinating. Um, And yeah. And then I also, for Mindy's subway, I also wanted to have when you first get on the subway there's some characters on there that would make her feel like it is a safe space. Like Angela Davis, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then it gets progressively worse and worse. Like I have <laughs> three handmaids on there that we like really distressed and broke down. Cause I was like, nothing would horrify Mindy more than like handmaids. Right. Amongst <laughs> ghost days. But like, um, <laughs> so it was just like, it was, you know, creating, creating that space and that tension with horror characters, but then also people that might feel safe to the characters. Um, and then there's like Baba Duke on the Sam car, because Tara's on that car. And in the last one, she said that Baba Duke was one of her favorite movies. So there were lots of little um, Easter eggs like that.
1: That's so amazing. I mean, this is my favorite scene because, you know, as a costume nerd, I love to talk about storytelling through costume design. And I really think this is such like the epic scene because it feels so claustrophobic. You have all these horror characters closing in, but at the same time, you know, they're Halloween costumes and they represent the legacy of all these films and their favorite scary movies. And it's also a tribute to Wes at the same time and a tribute to you and your work on ready or not at the same time. So it's just like, yeah, this is the scene for me it is so cool. And it just shows how powerful costume design and costume designers are in this industry.
0: I have to say, I had this moment when we were filming, when we were filming this scene, um during the prep of it but it really hit me when we were filming it because so many people were coming up to my department being like holy like holy crap like this looks crazy and it was really special for me because I felt like I was honoring a lot of the designers who have come before me and like their legacy and their hard work but it also it really kind of broke my heart in a way thinking about the costume designers guild naked without us Mm -hmm. campaign Because I was like, this is a prime example of why we need pay equity. Because this, if you took all of these iconic Halloween costumes out of here and erased the work that all of these people that have come before me have done, you would not have the same level of impact that you have in this scene. Right. Um, So that was like uh, an intense realization. But I let like... I love doing the scene and i it's one of my favorite pieces of work that i've done is this sequence like i just had a blast doing it
1: right it represented decades and decades of costume design and costume designers who have created these characters and they mm-hmm. wouldn't exist without costume designers so
0: yeah totally
1: yeah i think everyone should study this scene And Naked Without Us, hashtag Naked Without Us always. (laughs) And finally, Avery, I just want to end with, um, Avery, you're now a part of this legacy that is Scream, perhaps one of the most loved horror franchises of all time, and reviews couldn't be better. What did this experience mean to you?
0: Uh, It was very humbling in a way of, you know, being a part of something that means so much to so many people and I feel like I've been really embraced by the fans and the community in a really lovely wonderful way so um it's been great and it's it's nice to be sort of a part of that family right a bunch of very lovely wonderful people who care deeply and I and I understand you know it's it's a brilliant franchise
1: and I'm yeah, I'm just so excited so excited to see what you do next. I'm sure you're you're walking through all sorts of doors right now that you probably can't share but I know me and everyone listening is so excited to see what you do next and I can't wait to talk again. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Yeah, it was so nice to like talk to you face to face and not just digitally
1: yeah everyone listening i literally was basically texting avery during the movie and i'm like okay i gotta go but i'm gonna text you in an hour yeah. <laughs> thank you avery the art of costume broadcast is hosted and produced by elizabeth joy glass and spencer williams our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod, or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com/podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews. Head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design.